This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Easter warning. We have started to see our cases take off again. Concerns about long weekend travel as COVID trends head in the wrong direction. Family reunions with relaxed rules. Hi, Dad. The cure for loneliness at long-term care homes as more seniors get vaccinated. It's so good to see you. And crime you never see coming. My husband, he crying, crying, crying. How skilled thieves are hitting victims, making jewelry disappear like magic. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. Health officials are once again urging British Columbians to avoid large family gatherings this Easter weekend with COVID-19 variants still running rampant across the province. As Richard Zussman reports, the overall numbers for the past month show we are still a long way from the finish line. The COVID climb, heading into a long weekend known for indoor gatherings, from mass to dinners, new COVID cases are as high as they have been in BC. This is what I'm hearing from my colleagues who are doing contact tracing and case management, that the numbers of contacts that individuals are having in risky contacts, so contacts where it can be transmitted, has been going up. A month ago, on March 4th, there were 523.7 new cases a day over a seven-day average. Fast forward to Thursday, and that average is 873 new cases. And even with new measures in place, no relief in sight. The things we do today will prevent that next generation of cases. So we are likely to be in for a rough ride for the next few days. The big question is whether hospitals can manage the COVID surge. A month ago, 248 people in hospital. Fast forward to last week, and that number was at 306. A little drop to Thursday, with 296 people in hospital. And some hope new restrictions will help avoid hospital wards hitting capacity. It's soon enough in the sense that we haven't overwhelmed our public health or hospital capacity as of right now, um, but we didn't prevent it. The province knows that people are still going to gather for Easter dinner, but it's against the law to do so indoors. If you do gather, it must be outdoors, physically distanced, and with those from your safe 10. If you do choose to spend time with anyone other than your immediate household in this weekend, it must be outdoors. And there's one thing that could severely put a damper on traditional Easter fun. Variants. The active cases of those variants have been climbing from just 16 on March 4th to 192 on Thursday. Although some good news with the drop over the past few days. But varying opinions on whether what we're doing is enough. The very same things that we do to prevent the old viruses that we were seeing are the things that work for this as well. What we saw with modeling was that um, the, the higher transmission rate for the variant was actually, you know, would have required really severe restrictions to contain. 
Severe restrictions that could still come if bad COVID behavior and cases continue to climb. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. After hitting a new milestone in BC for COVID-19 cases yesterday, today's confirmed infections are slightly lower. We have 832 new cases, bringing BC's total to 100,880, with 7,571 of those cases being active. 296 people are in hospital, 79 in the ICU. And sadly, we have lost five more people to complications of the virus. Also on Wednesday, 31,469 doses of vaccine were administered. Keith Baldry joins us now with a closer look at the spike in Vancouver, particularly on the west side of the city. Keith, what's driving this? Yeah, these are numbers we haven't seen up until uh, just last week. Uh, for months and weeks, uh, the epicenter has been the Fraser Valley in Surrey. Surrey continues to have a high number, but take a look at now rivaling it in terms of uh, numbers over a given week. Surrey, uh, right now, uh, by far the most cases, but the growth there is similar to what we're seeing uh, in other places in Metro Vancouver, particularly the west side of Vancouver, west side and the west end, and Whistler there close behind. There's thought that there is a connection between Whistler and the west side and the west and there's probably some travel there. Uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry, other health officials talking about how Whistler really is uh, having cases in Whistler itself, but then people getting the virus there and heading back out to other areas of the province, notably Metro Vancouver, even over here on Vancouver Island. Keith, uh, you have some more detailed data as well today on the variants of concern. Actually, not as bad a day as I think a lot of us expected on the variant front. The number of new cases is dramatically lower than yesterday. So 90 new cases over the last two days is what's being reported. The vast majority of our 2,643 continue to be the UK variant or the B117. But the Brazilian variant is starting to grow in numbers significantly. That's considered even more infectious. And right now we have 192 active cases. That's down considerably from earlier this week, a drop is good to see rather than seeing those active case numbers go up but they will go up in the days ahead one more note about the variants island health just issued a news release asking people not to travel and noting that variant cases are starting to show up here because of travel and that the number of people the people in hospital the average age of people in hospital right now for covid19 and for the variants is dropping in age younger people are getting the variants in greater numbers than older people and that's a cause for concern so the bottom line do not travel and do not gather in indoor settings with other people outside your household. Yeah, important warnings. Absolutely, Keith. Thank you. And speaking of travel, the warnings were out early. Don't travel this long weekend if you don't have to. So are British Columbians heeding that warning? Kylie Stanton is live at the Swartz Bay Ferry Terminal for us. Kylie, how busy is it out there just ahead of Good Friday? Well, so if there has been a steady stream of traffic here today, and it is expected to pick up as we head into the weekend, but just how essential the travel is, well, the definition appears to be open for interpretation. Suitcases packed and tickets in hand. The long weekend rush is already well underway. Well, where are you off to this weekend? Uh, Salt Spring. Easter weekend to see my family. I'm just visiting Victoria for like one week. This despite repeated warnings from health officials to stay home amid record-breaking COVID-19 case counts. This is not the time for any of us to be traveling for leisure or vacation or getaways outside of our community. But one look at the traffic from Sports Bay to Swanson begs the question, who's listening? Sailings, while operating at only 50% capacity, are filling up, with reservations selling out fast. 
It's a very different situation from this time last year, just a few weeks into the pandemic. While people were traveling, the seven-day moving average was only at 32 cases. Now it's pushing 900. But that doesn't seem to be stopping anyone here. I have absolutely no problem. While BC Ferries is an essential service and must continue to operate, ski resorts have the option. But following the forced closure of Whistler earlier this week, others like Revelstoke Mountain Resort and Big White are seeing a huge spike in demand. People from the lower mainland going to our website and calling our 1-800 number looking for accommodation and lift ticket deals for the week after Easter. To try and curb the spread, it's taking matters into its own hands, closing early April 5th. This is not the right time to travel and we know that if we turn off the lifts that we will be able to uh, stop people from traveling to our resort and hopefully other parts of BC when it is just not safe to do so. Whether that will have any impact on the numbers in the days and weeks to come remains to be seen. What we do know is the only thing that will really bend this curve comes down to just three words. Just don't go. Now, BC Ferries would not say just how many extra sailings were added to accommodate the demand, just that there were far fewer than what we would see on a normal long weekend. Things are still operating on the honour system here, though, so we'll never really know just how many people are breaking the rules. Sophie? Well, hopefully we won't see uh, a spike in numbers a couple of weeks from now. Thanks for that, Kylie. British Columbians might be chafing under these renewed restrictions, but this province is almost wide open when you compare it to Ontario and parts of Quebec. Erin MacArthur has the details of the widespread shutdowns in that part of the country. Don't let the calm outside fool you. Inside emergency rooms and intensive care units, Ontario doctors and nurses are desperately trying to put a lid on infections. This isn't last year's pandemic. This is something new entirely. It used to be that one family member, often an older parent or grandparent, would be in the intensive care unit. But with the new variants that are both more contagious and more dangerous, we're seeing situations where whole families end up in intensive care all at the same time. Thursday, the Ontario government implemented a province-wide four-week emergency break. We need to do this. I, I know there's a lot of people that just want to go out there and open up and know they, they don't believe this variant can be passed. I'm, I'm sorry. Indoor and outdoor dining has been suspended. Personal care services and gyms will be closed. And most sports are being shuttered. Retail is allowed to stay open with strict capacity limits. Schools are about to take their delayed March break, but there are no plans to keep kids away from the classroom. Critics say these measures don't go far enough. It's to be an acknowledgement that the plans that were laid for Wave 2 was dealing with a different pandemic. Wave 3 is a new disease. Quebec has pushed many of its regions back into more strict control measures and put three cities on a virtual stay-at-home order. While the third wave is continuing to build, the vaccine campaign is scaling up quickly. 5.8 million Canadians have already been vaccinated, and the country has received 9.5 million total shots. With a lot more on the way, Canada expects to see 1 million doses from Pfizer every week until the end of May, and nearly 600,000 Moderna doses will be delivered Friday. Distribution tempo will keep on increasing with over. 40 million doses scheduled by end of June. The vaccines aren't coming fast enough to stop the third wave, 
but combined with another round of restrictions countrywide, the picture could look a whole lot different by the end of April. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. New taxes, no fooling. April 1st means costs for a lot of goods and services are going up. What you should budget for next on the News Hour. It was like seeing a ghost, a Williams Lake woman who caught a rare white moose on camera. That's later. And coming up in sports, the Toronto Raptors deal with the COVID effect, how the infection still impacts the team's best players. Right now, though, B.C. taxpayers might wish this is an April Fool's joke, but some taxes have officially gone up starting today. It is more expensive to buy gas, drink a sugary beverage, and stream certain movies, TV shows, and songs. Ted Trenecki breaks down the new costs. That idiom, there's nothing certain but death and taxes, rings particularly loud during a pandemic. April 1st and prices are up at the pump because of tax increases. There's enough going wrong already. I hear you. Costing me more taxes. Ridiculous that we pay more in gas here than anybody else does anywhere else. So, yeah, just uh, never goes down, just always goes up. Here are some of the April 1st tax changes. BC's carbon tax is now $45 a ton, up from $40 two years ago. There was no increase last year due to COVID, but there is this year and there's still COVID. In practical terms, a full tank of gasoline in a minivan, $7 is going to carbon tax. In a pickup truck, $12. And one of those barrels on an 18-wheeler has $65 worth of carbon tax now inside. And there are some brand new taxes. All streaming services like Netflix and Spotify now have 7% provincial sales tax. And there's the so-called sugar tax in all soft drinks. And if it comes out of a vending machine, even bottled water is taxed. If you go spend six bucks on some mocha latte frappa thingy-mabob and you've got like 50 grams of sugar in that thing, no sugar tax. You spend a dollar on a can of pop at a gas station, you get the sugar tax. BC's carbon tax is expected to top out at $50 a ton, but Ottawa is just getting going with plans to charge as much as $170 a ton by 2030. We don't have an electric vehicle yet, but that's in the future for us for sure. There appears to be a disconnect with taxes increasing in a part of Canada that's already the most expensive to live in by far. Yet, BC MLAs will take a pay raise this year amounting to about $800 on average. MPs are getting more than that. I think on average, it's like $3,300. Pity the beleaguered taxpayer, because as bad as COVID is, some scientists have warned that unchecked, global warming could be far worse. Ted Chernahi, Global News. A judge has granted an injunction to remove the eight-month blockade of a logging operation near Port Renfrew. Teal Jones plans to log about 200 hectares of the Ferry Creek watershed. But as Paul Johnson reports, protesters say they're protecting one of the last pristine watersheds on southern Vancouver Island. As you get up over the ridge... It's actually an ancient yellow cedar forest. These are the trees in question. A stand of old-growth forest near Port Renfrew, where some of them are probably more than a thousand years old. Since last summer, conservationists have been blocking access to the forest and a planned clear-cut by Surrey's Teal Jones. Ferry Creek is a poster child for these last patches of intact old-growth forest. Jens Weeding is with the Sierra Club of B.C. 
and says the injunction obtained by Teal Jones Thursday is setting up another confrontation in the woods. This is another example where a conflict between a company and activists is arising because the BC government is not showing the leadership needed. A spokesperson for Teal Jones couldn't give details Thursday on when and how the company will enforce the injunction. There are currently two blockades on roads leading to their cut blocks. And in recent weeks, blockaders say their numbers have reached into the hundreds. Their efforts have inspired other demonstrations, like this one in Vancouver Saturday. Six people were arrested. Teal Jones says hundreds of jobs in B.C. depend on them getting access to those trees. And they only got the injunction as a last resort because it's time for them to get to work. And the story has an additional political twist, with blockaders pointing out that the forest is in Premier Horgan's riding. We asked the Premier Thursday about his views on the matter. He deferred to his Forests Minister, Katrine Conroy, who said while they recognize peaceful protest, they expect people to follow the law. If B.C. is headed for another war in the woods, the stage has been set. Yeah, yeah, we'll get arrested for that. Sure. Paul Johnson, Global News. Up next, the victims of a distraction scam. The way he asked, very polite. The sleight of hand that led to stolen jewelry. And sharing the road, new rules that should make trucking a lot safer for the rest of us. Super busy over here for northbound traffic at the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge. Seeing delays because of a police incident northbound at the south end in the right lane. As a result, traffic is backed up into Vancouver towards First Avenue on the approach. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, hype of a police incident at the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge. The man charged in connection with the fatal North Vancouver stabbing spree made his first court appearance today. Appearing at the North Vancouver Provincial Courtroom via video link, 28-year-old Yannick Bendalgo had what appeared to be a cast and bandages on his arms. The suspect, staring into the camera, appeared calm, even yawning at one point. Vandalgo communicated with counsel and the judge via a French translator. Court was initially adjourned while duty counsel arranged for a defense lawyer for the suspect. On Monday, Vandalgo refused to leave his cell where he's been in isolation due to COVID protocols. The suspect is charged with second-degree murder, accused of killing a woman in her 20s and injuring six others in the attack in and around the Lynn Valley Library. Vancouver police say thieves are targeting older people and members of visible minority communities in a distraction jewelry scam on the city's east side. They've seen a five-fold increase in the number of incidents since January. As Nadia Stewart tells us, the thieves are either selling fake gold for cash or outright stealing the jewelry off the necks of unsuspecting victims. This necklace means a lot to Key and her husband. They're the only items the pair owned after escaping from Vietnam. But two weeks ago... That's why my husband, he's uh, he crying, crying, crying. I don't know what to do. They both became victims of distraction theft. Key says it happened while she was out for her daily walk. A man in a newer model gray Jeep pulled up alongside her asking for directions. Something Key says she found suspicious. 
That's when the man in the driver's seat leaned out the window, attempting to distract her. And he said, oh, you look so nice, a nice lady. So I give you the, my jewelry and my ring. He gave me whole bun. And I said, no, why did you give it to me? He says she did not let the man put the bunch of necklaces around her neck. That's how the thieves distract their victims, slipping off the more valuable piece of jewelry at the same time. Even though she told her husband to be careful, when he was out for a walk, the same thing happened to him. You can see him on the driver's side talking to the same man who tried to scam his wife. But this time, the thieves were successful. I said, no, no, I know that guy already. He around 35, 38. His wife, about 30, have two kids sit in the back. Look like very nice family. It's an organized crime group. Um, they're very slick. They leave town, they mix it up. They often drive rental vehicles, often have kids in the back of the vehicles. Vancouver police say there's been a 400% increase in these scams. And that's only since the beginning of this year. 30 incidents have been reported so far in 2021, including incidents near Main Street and East 41st, Kingsway and Joyce, and Fraser Street and East 33rd. By the time police are aware, the thieves have left town. It's challenging for police to catch these thieves and to investigate these crimes. East Vancouver is typically the area targeted. Racialized seniors, the usual prey. Nadia Stirk, Global News. Two Okanagan parents who lost their son in the 2018 Humboldt Broncos crash are celebrating a small victory. That crash left 16 dead and 13 injured. Now the B.C. government is bringing in new mandatory training for Class 1 commercial drivers. Global's Darian Matasafung shows us what it means. We are very pleased to, to uh, get this fantastic news and we're really looking forward to seeing the results on our highways. An Okanagan family of a Humboldt Broncos crash victim says they are elated that the B.C. government has now introduced mandatory entry-level training for Class 1 commercial drivers. Lawrence and Ginny Hunter's 18-year-old son, Logan, died in the tragic crash in 2018 in Saskatchewan. The implementation of MELT throughout Canada ensures that the 16 lost souls in Humboldt crash and the 13 survivors um, that didn't go in vain. This is for uh, memory of everyone and to prevent another travesty. The news of the new mandatory training, or MELT as it's being called, comes five days before the three-year anniversary of the tragic bus crash involving the 2018 junior hockey team, Humboldt Broncos. Minister of Transportation and Infrastructure Rob Fleming says it's long overdue. It's about helping uh, drive up the competency and professionalism of of drivers, so mandatory entry-level training will require, uh, starting in June and uh, and uh, to have a certificate in October, uh, drivers to have much more air brake uh, training, to be trained on much heavier vehicles, 32,000 uh, kilograms, uh, and have more uh, competencies around uh, operating uh, large trucks. BC's Class 1 MELT program will see drivers complete a number of behind-the-wheel practice driving hours, in-yard hours, and theoretical instructional courses. MELT is welcomed by the BC Trucking Association. It believes more training never hurts. Really is a step in the right direction to create a uniform standard to make sure that every driver, no matter where they operate, has a basic set of skills that they can use. Darian Matasafung, Global News. Still ahead, happy reunions.
I get to actually be with him and touch him and talk to him. Relaxing the visitation rules at long-term care homes. And a surprising added benefit of wearing a mask during allergy season. need to be answered here. This was a high risk, high reward strategy. So we wanted to set the record straight. How do you grow as a human being if you're not going to open your ears and listen? traffic winds down for the evening commute before the long weekend here at the Alex Fraser Bridge. You can see very minimal traffic in both directions. Keep in mind, though, there is intermittent overnight maintenance with lane closures in both directions between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Kermac Collision and Autoglass provides no-cost windshield chip repairs with your insurance coverage, and Kermac donates 100% of their income from chip repairs through Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Transit police have arrested a man after a violent robbery Tuesday evening. Police say the suspect was first spotted on a train at the 22nd Street station. When an attendant asked him to get off, the suspect started hurling racially charged expletives at him. The suspect then got onto another train and confronted a passenger, demanding he hand over all his cash. The passenger replied that he had none and later tried to take a picture of the suspect at Royal Oak Station. Well, that sent the suspect into a rage. He cornered the victim in the elevator and punched him 30 times before walking off with his headphones. The victim, of course, is, uh, is shaken by this. I, I think there's a level of fear um, with the transit system, unfortunately. Um, with that being said, they're also, also happy to hear that the suspect has been arrested and that the suspect's being held in custody. And that brings them some reassurance knowing that somebody else isn't going to be hurt for the time being. 31-year-old Clinton Sebastiano of no fixed address faces a charge of robbery and uttering threats. He's been remanded in custody until his next court appearance. Police across the province have been investigating an uptick in anti-Asian hate crimes since the start of the pandemic. But an agency that helps immigrants adjust to life in Canada says the incidents are still underreported and much more needs to be done to stop it. Catherine Urquhart reports. It was a troubling scene earlier this week inside a Richmond coffee shop that allegedly involved an assault and racial slurs. The owner says it happened after she repeatedly asked a couple to obey social distancing rules. It got ugly. When the lady passed by me, pulled a leftover cup to my face and said something like, you Chinese, those kind of things. The Immigrant Community Services Group Success says anti-Asian hate crimes continue to increase. They're especially concerned about attacks on women. The attacks and the trauma as a result of those racial incidents are very uh, uh, draining and mentally uh, stressed to the victims, and these really require uh, support. Police say they also continue to deal with anti-Asian hate crimes. And the peak was in May of 2020. Uh, since then, it has slowly uh, been on the decline. However, it is still happening. We've had incidents reported to us uh, this January as well as February. Success is calling on government to fund anti-racism initiatives and take additional action. But also, you know, developing the legislation uh, to ensure we understand what a hate crime is. Some people have more access than others. I know race, talking about racism is never comfortable. It's very difficult conversation, but making it the way the artists have designed it, it's a, uh, it's a good 
point. Uh, I think it's a uh, it's it's really engaging. BC's Parliamentary Secretary for Anti-Racism Initiatives says government continues to support nonprofits that help immigrants, but she acknowledges we need to do more. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Finally, the day so many have been waiting for, a relaxation of rules in long-term care homes. Grandparents can see grandchildren one at a time in their room and hugging is allowed. As John Hua reports, the changes are helping families reconnect with their loved ones. Hi, it's Gloria for my dad, Wilfred Strong. After close to a year, this is more than just a check-in. It's a cherished moment for families kept from their loved ones for far too long. We felt distanced and and disconnected, but um, we understood. Every step down this hall helps heal some of that heartbreak. Hi, Grandpa. Because newly relaxed COVID-19 restrictions in long-term care means 93-year-old Wilfred Strom's granddaughter. We came to tell you that we love you so much at least has a chance to say goodbye. We are very, very thankful for this next step forward and that we can actually be there for Grandpa. For families with loved ones in long-term care, they can now have more than one designated visitor with up to two adults and a child per visit. They can also spend time with that family member inside of their rooms. And most importantly, physical touch is now allowed. I get to actually be with him and touch him and talk to him in the last few days. He knows us and he is just pleased and smiles when he sees us. It's a bittersweet moment here at Tabor Home in Abbotsford, having experienced a COVID-19 outbreak and the heartbreaking deaths of 24 clients who called this home. The new rules a moment to celebrate after so much loss. Today's a, a day to rejoice. Uh, we're essentially taking the locks off the front doors of nursing homes and welcoming back family members. Still, the easing of restrictions is being carefully balanced against the increased risk of COVID-19 variants. We know that the the immunization in our long-term care homes across the province has been very high, but we can still get virus introduced into homes, and we don't want that now. Thinking about the many families who might not have been so fortunate, the chance to be by Wilfred Strom's bedside is something his loved ones will never forget. John Hua, Global News. Up ahead, the so-called spirit moves. I had to stop so I didn't hit it. It was like right there in my face. An extremely rare wildlife sighting and the genetic quirk that makes it so special. Also, the top chef from BC breaking barriers in the kitchen and beyond. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC, brought to you in part by the BCTF, our kids and their teachers worth investing in. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Some good news and bad news about this year's allergy season from a BC researcher. The bad news, climate change is making it worse. The good news, the pandemic might actually be helping. Linda Aylesworth explains. 
Just two weeks into spring, and already seasonal allergies are acting up. Love is in the air, and so is pollen. Every breath we take, we are getting some pollen grains in. The first to cause grief, trees, with their pollen-laden catkins and blooms. These are the culprits that cause some people's immune systems to go into overdrive. One solution, chances are you're already wearing it, a mask. Because it traps everything and then after you're done, you, you go home, you remove it very carefully and wash it properly that same day. Of course, pollen doesn't just get stuck to the outer layers of face masks. If you spend time outdoors in a, in a day with high pollen counts, with a lot of pollen in the air, you should remove your clothes and if possible, when you get home, uh, wash them. More people than ever are having to cope with seasonal allergies, which are starting sooner and lasting longer. The reason... The plants are producing more pollen and we have studies that have proved this because of the increasing levels in CO2 and the increasing the temperatures that are linked to climate change. That extra carbon dioxide in the air, which plants combine with water and light to produce sugar, helps them grow, and warmer temperatures extend their season. So perhaps the masks so vital in containing the spread of the virus that causes COVID-19 will stick around even after the pandemic's over. Hopefully, hopefully. We know that exposure to greenness, to plants in parks, etc., helps with our mental health. So if we can have that without having the allergy symptoms, thumbs up. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Well, I'm glad uh, to have my mask at spring now. It has kept me from sneezing Mm -hmm. too much, Christy, but it does seem like the blossoms are out and the pollen is out in full force now, which is a sign that the weather's getting better. That's right. It's great for a lot of people. But I know like you, Sophie, who suffers from allergies quite a bit, it is a tough time of year. But I'll tell you, now that the days are getting longer and it's getting warmer and the blossoms are out, it really does make a difference for so many people. Beautiful sunset behind me, as you can see, still some cloud cover. And we will likely see that again tomorrow. Now, before I move on, I want to show you some photos that came in to me from little Madden. She is in Maple Ridge. She's five years old. Her daycare was shut down and they are in isolation. So this is Eileen Robinson, her, her, her nana. She wanted to share this with me because she's been busy doing some coloring to try and keep herself busy. Beautiful rainbow there. And there's Nana and Madden underneath the sunshine. So thank you so much. I hope you're doing okay, Madden. There's a lot of people like you that are in isolation and it's not fun at all. Now, tomorrow we are going to see cloud cover. Just a very slight chance of showers. Bulk of the moisture along the north and central coast. That means some snowfall overnight, but changing over to rain during the day. Now, for our region, though, I think it's going to be similar to today. Bright, uh, still some cloud cover, but at least warm and bright and feeling like spring. So the chance of rain stays low tomorrow, but it really ramps up on Saturday. So for your long weekend, which isn't looking too bad, everyone, Saturday's really the soaker of a day to plant some indoor activity. We're talking about 10 to 15 millimeters of rain for our region. North Coast region, though, rain for you tomorrow. Most inland regions and across the South Coast will see dry conditions. Lots of sunshine in through the interior region, but we will certainly see more cloud cover. And we do have a very slight chance of a shower, uh, but you shouldn't need a rain jacket or maybe just stuff it into your bag just in case. Saturday, certainly the wet one. Easter Monday, sorry, Easter Sunday and Easter Monday, though, looking great so far. But keep in mind, there's still days away, so keep tuning back in. I'll leave you with tonight's central windows weather window, which is looking out over English Bay. You can see the daffodils there. Gorgeous shot. Thank you so much to Mark for that one. 
Very nice. Thanks very much, Christy. Williams Lake resident Hattie Dea was probably going to go out to buy a lottery ticket after a once-in-a-lifetime experience this past weekend. Hi. Hello. Hello. While driving down a back road, she spotted this very rare white moose calf called a spirit moose. She says the mother had ventured ahead, but the calf just stood and looked at her for a good 10 minutes before calmly walking away. I was pretty blown away. I, like I said, I grew up in the mountains. My dad was a hunting guide, so I've been around wildlife my whole life. And this is something that just doesn't happen. It was pretty impactful. It was pretty special. It just really, not. this is going to sound crazy, but it just kind of lets you know that even though you think you've seen it all, um, there's still some wonder left in the world, right? There's still things that we don't know about and we don't get to see very often. Now, contrary to what you might think, white moose are not albino. Their unique color is due to a recessive gene. <laughs> he blends in nicely with the snow. He did kind of blend in with the snow. Notice how all humans do that. We all say hello and hi to animals. And babies. Yeah, thinking that they're getting everything we're saying. And our voices raise. Like, that is true. About three That octaves. is true. <laughs> when you see a small child or an animal, for some reason you start talking with a higher voice. I wonder if they're thinking, why is that person talking to me in a higher voice? Um, a number of Toronto Raptors, including Fred Van Vliet, are back playing after having gone through covid but they still aren't feeling 100%. We all are hitting the same conditioning wall at the same time. Yeah, they just don't seem to be able to play at full capacity for an entire game. And because of that, the Raptors can't stop losing. Also tonight, In It to Win It, an Indigenous chef from BC brings her own unique flavor to Top Chef Canada. All right, Squires here with more on the Canucks COVID Chronicles. Yes, that was good alliteration. Very good, actually. The uh, NHL announced that Travis Hamanick was the Canucks player who tested positive for COVID yesterday. The Canucks, however, are not saying which member of their coaching staff tested positive as well. The NHL will only announce players that test positive, not team staff. But Hamannick, Gaudette, and a coach all testing positive is why the NHL postponed last night's game against Calgary. And today the Canucks did all their testing from their cars in a drive through situation rather than going inside Rogers Arena to get tested as they normally do. So we don't know yet if any further Canuck players have tested positive. If there are more, that would be announced tomorrow. But what we do know so far is that the NHL has put the Canucks on hiatus for a week. And this is the way it works. So you had the game postponed last night. There'll be three more games postponed. One against the Oilers, two against Winnipeg. They can't practice before April 6th. But right now, as long as there aren't any more positive tests, they can play April 8th against the Flames. Now, Montreal, of course, went through a COVID situation and missed four games, or at least had four games postponed. They've been okay coming out of that break. In fact, they won a game tonight, so that's bad news for the Canucks and the Flames. Paul Byron with the shorthanded goal there, 4-1 the final over Ottawa. Montreal six up on the Canucks now with four in hand. Last night, Nathan McKinnon of the Avalanche and Connor Garland of the Coyotes got into a bit of a wrestling match, and Garland's helmet got ripped off, and then McKinnon gave it back to him this way. Whoops! That's not very nice. Anyway, he was fined $5,000. If you're going to give a guy back his hat, 
you got to hand it to him nicely, not throw it in his face. Well, it didn't take North Vancouver's Connor Bedard very long to make an impact in the Western Hockey League. In fact, he did it in his very first game, and he's done it in every game since. At the age of 15, he leads the WHL in scoring, and today he was named to Canada's national under-18 team. That means this short season will be even shorter for Bedard because he'll have to start self-isolating on April 12th, then head to training camp with Canada on April 17th. The World Under-18 Championships are in Texas this year from April 26th to May the 6th. Opening day in the majors. It's the Baby Blues for the Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Yankees. And Teoscar Hernandez nearly puts this one in a different burrow. Teoscar Hernandez with a monster home run to tie the... So that tied it in the 10th. Randall Gritchick scores Jonathan Davis from second as this one jumps over Aaron Judge in the outfield. Davis is in to score. Gritchick is at second with an RBI double. And the Blue Jays... And the Blue Jays finish it off with Julian Merriweather striking out Glaber Torres. So Toronto wins its opener 3-2 in the Bronx. Well, from what we've heard from doctors and people who have had COVID, it seems to affect everyone differently. And it's the same for professional athletes and teams. The Raptors have had at least seven players and a number of coaches get COVID. Three of them were core players, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi. They're all back now, but they're still struggling with the after effects. It was an outbreak that caused the Raptors as a team to absolutely collapse. And a tough night. The Raptors have had a tough night for about 30 nights now. After going 9-5 and five in the month of February to get back into the playoff race, the Raptors went a sickly 1-13 in March, and their run of seven straight postseason appearances is very much in doubt. It doesn't take a doctor to figure out what happened. In late February, three of their top players contracted COVID-19. Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Fred Van Vliet. And while they've had their moments since returning, all have noticed they're not quite right yet. You can feel we all are hitting the same conditioning wall at the same time. And so there's spurts where we play high-level basketball, there's spurts where we suck, and it's just like, you know, just fighting uphill, and, and um, you know, it's tough to get it back sometimes. OG to the rim with a slam dunk. Even pro athletes in peak physical condition can get knocked over by COVID. Some have recovered with no lingering issues. That has not been the case for these Raptors, and it's made a big difference on the court, especially with endurance. Energy uh, is, is an issue for us just in general right now, and I think that shows up in the second half. It just seems to be a chore to get us through these games physically at the moment, and I think we're paying for it in a lot of areas, rebounding, um, execution on offense, shot making, etc. In other words, everything. The Raps still have a shot at salvaging their season, but COVID has played a large role in the champs playing like chumps the past four weeks. Very delayed global sports. See, it affects everyone differently. Help me, OG Ananobi. You're you love that name. Hope. Okay, I'm so pleased with myself. Jay, what's coming up tonight? That's good for a Star Trek fan, right? Star Wars, Star Wars, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you're a Trekkie, though, I think, aren't you? Yeah, both. All right, we'll be taking a closer look at some of the COVID hotspots around Metro Vancouver as we head into the long weekend. Plus, details on a police incident this evening in the downtown east side. Vancouver police responded to a call about a person with a weapon in the area. 
And we'll show you how one church in New West is marking Easter, offering several outdoor services. Those stories coming up tonight at 11, Sophie. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Jay. Up next, an Indigenous chef from B.C. hoping to cook the competition on Top Chef. A Kelowna chef is in the spotlight. Siobhan Detkovich is ready to shine in the kitchen as she competes on Top Chef Canada. Global Sydney Morton introduces us to the young chef, her passion for food, and her nation. I'm from Kelowna, B.C. in the beautiful Okanagan Valley. and I'm The pressure is on. Siobhan Dekovich is the youngest competitor for Top Chef Canada. And she is not only representing herself, she is representing her nation. From their own different background, we're here to share our own story. Being Indigenous is part of my story, and being Indigenous and showcasing what that's about is part of what I'm bringing to Top Chef. And if you're going to celebrate me as a woman and as a 21-year-old, please also celebrate with me, my stand for my nation. The young chef is one of 11 contestants that will be competing for the top spot on the ninth season. Her love of cooking started by chance in a high school cooking class and the rest was history. Now she's a chef at West Kelowna's Mission Hill Winery's Terrace Restaurant. Well, there's always gonna be barriers and stuff like that that you kind of have to like push beyond. And I think it like what really drives me is just kind of like, because I've had like, you know, the older men like more than once kind of be like oh you're not gonna make it or like oh you can't do this because you're female and it's like okay okay hold up take a step back <laughs> watch me <laughs> at 21 years old Dekovic is no stranger to competition the chef that i apprenticed under was very heavily involved in competitions and she was very young herself and had a lot of passion and then at the college the chef that she apprenticed under ended up being like the culinary director so it was like whoa like my grandbaby, like pretty much like a, you know, a grand apprentice kind of thing. So he took me under his wing and threw me into as many competitions as possible. And then also by being the youngest pretty much on campus at OC at the time, I was 16. Now the Cowichan Tribes band member is cultivating her own signature taste. Because I'm coastal, so I do West Coast meets interior. A lot with my cooking if I'm doing Indigenous. So what I've tried to do a lot as well is just kind of start off because I love Italian food. I want to show Indigenous flair. It's pretty much like Italian-Indigenous kind of like fusion. To find out if she takes the prize, watch Top Chef Canada set to air on April 19th. Sydney Morton, Global News, Kelowna. Love Top Chef. Good luck. Would love to mm -hmm. taste the food. Yes. When mm -hmm. we can travel again. All right, final word on weather goes to Christy. Thanks. So we will see some cloud cover certainly tomorrow, but it will be similar to today where we'll see bright spots and we do have a very slight chance of showers, but a pretty nice Friday. So what a way to kick off the long weekend. Excellent. All right. Have a good evening, everyone. And for those of you taking tomorrow off, happy Good Friday.